Evening guys, welcome to another Wednesday Midweek Study. Today we are going to be in chapter 10 of John. So, before we go in, I'll just pray. Father, I praise you and I thank you for your words. I thank you that it is living and active. I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that through your spirit you speak to us and you illuminate your word to us. You remind us of it and you um, teach us through your word as well. I pray that you would uh, be with us tonight as we go through your words. That you would use me as your vessel that you would uh, speak your words, not my own, and that you would uh, speak to each and every one of us of whatever you want to speak to us about. And I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So today we are going to be in chapter 10, like I just mentioned. Pastor Warren finished off chapter 9 last week. So what happens with chapter 10 is it comes off the back of chapter 9. So it's important if you haven't read or even listened to chapter 9 before, I would recommend going and watching that or listening to it so that you can get a little bit more of a picture of what Jesus is talking about, what he's drawing from as he says this. He goes into a parable and talks about the good shepherd and his sheep. So we're going to read through a little bit more of this than what we're actually going to be unpacking tonight. We're going to be taking pieces of it as we go through the coming weeks and as we go through the chapter. So verse 1 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thieves' purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me, because I sacrifice my life, so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want, and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. So, here, Jesus is drawing a lot of different things out of this parable. So we're going to be picking just from uh, the first six verses here, seeing some of the things that Jesus is saying as he continues going. Some things are part of the larger message that he's giving here. Some things are part of just these little things that he's drawing out as he draws a little aside out of this parable, some things like that. So we're going to start off in verse 1, where Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Now, you know, the moment he's like, I tell you the truth, he's coming right off of this whole discussion 
with the Pharisees and them having a go at him, he says, I tell you the truth, you know this is about to be serious. Whenever anyone says, you know, if you've made a cake for someone and, you know, they're eating the cake and then all of a sudden they say, let me, let me be honest or I'll, I'll tell you the truth. You know, oh, okay, this is either going to be really good or really bad. Either they're going to love this cake or they're going to hate this cake. So what Jesus is about to say is to be taken seriously. And it's worth not only the listeners at the time listening to it, as he says, I tell you the truth. He's about to impart some wisdom. He's about to school them on something. And likewise, for us, as we read through this, it's important for us to at the same time pay close attention to what he's saying. Because he's saying a lot of things here. So he says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus is drawing a direct comparison between these two types of approach to the sheep. You've either got the true shepherd who enters through the gate, or you've got a thief and a robber who is entering through any other means, through hopping the fence or whatever else. How each person seeking to lead is gonna uh, is gonna go to the sheep and seek to lead these sheep. And there's only two types of people: those who belong in the sheepfold, which is the true shepherd, and those who don't belong in the sheepfold. And Jesus is quite clearly laying that out. I remember growing up near quite a lot of farms. You'd see quite a lot of sheep in the field. You'd see farmers going to the sheep, and I remember seeing a. a farmer going over to his sheep and you know the sheep would quite happily run to him and he'd feed them or he'd lead them off to another field so I remember I mean I like animals but when I was younger you would see me a lot more expressive in my love for animals and this was uh, evidenced by in this example I decided this one time that I saw this a flock of sheep that I guessed might have been maybe the same flock of sheep I decided to hop the fence and go and try and, you know, make friends with the sheep. I don't know what I was planning on, petting them, naming one of them, or whatever else, I don't know. But either way, I decided to hop this fence. And, you know, slowly going towards the sheep, and the sheep start, you know, being a little bit worried of me, and so they start backing off. And I'm, of course, going up to them, it's okay, it's okay, I'm your friend, you know, trying to do whatever. And clearly, this sheep weren't having it. And as they keep backing off, one point this one sheep turns around and faces me and at this point I'm scared I'm not having anything to do with this I scream I run out of the field I'm not having anything to do with this sheep that's probably going to bite me or do something like that that you know I'm scared in my melodramatic mind uh, as a kid that somehow danger is going to come from the sheep now so what was different was the sheep's response to me I didn't belong in there I wasn't the shepherd I wasn't the farmer so the sheep not only knew that, but they decided, hey, we're going to get as far away as this guy as we can. That's a smart response, because they don't know me. And they don't know me, they don't trust me, because I don't care for them. Whereas the farmer actually does, so they'll go to the farmer. Likewise, with us, when we're leaders, or uh, when we are uh, looking at Christian leaders, people will either go to them if the leader cares for them, or they will run from them if the leader doesn't care for them. It's showing these two types of leaders. They knew him, these sheep knew the farmer, so they trusted him. They didn't trust me. 
I didn't provide for them, I didn't nurture them. I was there for adopting a friend. It was this selfish motive, it wasn't really because I actually cared for them, I wanted to feed them or, or give them a home, I mean, maybe I wanted to give them a home. I know it wouldn't have worked, but I didn't truly actually care for the sheep, whereas the shepherd did. Likewise, a leader is there for the benefit of the sheep, not for his own benefit, not for this selfish gain. He's there because he's caring for the sheep. He's there because he's going to feed them. He's there because he's going to give them shelter or take them to a better pastures. Likewise, when leaders are in positions, they're there for the people, not for their own benefit, for their pockets or for their pride or reputation or whatever else it is. So Jesus states that these two types of people, and he contrasts this with what's just happened with the Pharisees, saying, hey, some of these Pharisees are here because they've hopped the fence. They're nothing but thieves and robbers. There is, however, a true shepherd, and he states that he is the true shepherd. He's drawing out that there were some Pharisees there who were only leaders not because they loved the Lord and they wanted to serve him, which would have been a right motive for wanting to serve, wanting to be a religious leader at the time, but actually there were some of them there who, because they knew someone so they got this position, or they simply wanted people to just do what they said, they wanted clout, they wanted to be a guy that other people would come to and they would respect, they wanted all these things for selfish motive. They weren't there to serve the Lord or to serve his people. Likewise, uh, many leaders will do that today. They're there for selfish motives, for selfish gain, for reputation or money or just a nice comfy occupation. And they're there for all of these things which are their own motives. It's not because they love the Lord or because they love his people. Those things might be secondary, but they're not the main reason why they're actually there. And Jesus is drawing out that the true shepherd, those who are true leaders, are ones who are there for the sheep. They're not there for their own selfish gain. So Jesus is stating here a little bit later on as well, that he is the true shepherd because he loves his sheep. And he openly declared that and he showed that in his example. He led selflessly. He was willing to go and die for his sheep. Leadership is selfless and that's how we should be as leaders whether we are christian leaders whether we're pastors whether we're elders whether we're just in a christian charity and we're leading people or whether we are simply just christians who might be in a position of leadership in whatever aspect of our lives we should be leading selflessly we should be leading through the example that christ has put forth we should do so out of a love for the lord out of a love for his people out of even a calling, if we may have been called to a certain position, we should do so with care and sacrificially as well, through the example that Jesus has put forward. To be those true shepherds, we need to be entering in correctly, and then when we're in, we need to be having the right motives as to why we're there. Otherwise, we're these thieves and robbers, as Jesus describes. And this applies to church leaders or to simply Christians who are leaders. Verse 3 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognise his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is drawing the picture here of in the Middle East, where there would be all these shepherds on all these different hills, and they would have each their own little sheep. 
and then at the end of the night they might bring them all in and there would be a single sheepfold for a whole bunch of different shepherds to have their sheep in. So then they would be housed there, the shepherd would be able to leave for a while and there would be a gatekeeper. <clears throat> a single shepherd would then come over and he'd call out his sheep by name and not only would the gatekeeper open the gate for him because the gatekeeper knows the shepherd, but the sheep would then say, oh, cool, yeah, I'm going to come with you. And all of his sheep would go and all of the sheep that weren't his would happily just stay because they don't know this guy, they don't trust him. He might be good, but he's not their shepherd, so they're going to stay where they are. They know that they have a shepherd. So the shepherd is trusted by not just the sheep, but also by the gatekeeper. Likewise, Christian leaders and Christians in general should be trusted by those outside the church, not just by those within the sheepfold, not just by those inside the church. We should have a good character inside the church and outside the church. It's no good having one or the other. It's no good being really good inside the church and really bad outside the church because you're not only revealing that that's not being of good character because you're really just acting, you're being a hypocrite, but also it reveals the fact that you're being then a bad witness of Christ because you're being really nice to people here and really mean to people outside. You just want to just let your flesh out and let it have free reign outside the church, but then inside the church you have to act a certain way. And one, obviously, that's acting like we mentioned before, but then it also shows that we're living for people. We're, sim we're seeking simply to please people rather than actually living for the Lord, wanting to live right before him who sees us at all times and everywhere rather than saying, hey, I just want to live right before you, Lord. And that means I want to be really kind to people inside the church. And when it comes to outside the church, even when people treat me mean, I still want to be really kind to them. Loving regardless. 1 Timothy 3 verse 7 tells us elders, uh, sorry, tells us about elders. It says, also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. It's clearly telling us here where Paul is speaking to Timothy, saying, hey, elders shouldn't just be well spoken of inside the church. They should be well spoken of outside the church as well. Others should be able to see that they have trustworthy character, showing that then those outside the church are still able to say, oh yeah, I trust this guy enough to, you know, I I'm happy to go to his church, I'm happy to, you know, actually interact and see the love of Christ through our witness in the world, not just in the church as well. But then it draws a larger picture here as well with Jesus as this gatekeeper to say, the Lord actually needs to be the one allowing us to lead his people. If we're in a position in church, whether we're elders or whether we are um, pastors, the Lord should be the one who is opening the gate to allow us in. If we're trying to be leaders in our own ways, in just trying to hop, at, you know, saying, okay, Lord might not allow me because of these things, but I'm still going to try and do it. And doing all these things, it's actually showing that we're illegitimate. We're illegitimate leaders. We're not actually true sh shepherds. We're not there for the right motives because if the Lord's not allowing us, there's a reason why the Lord wouldn't allow us. So the Lord needs to be the one to allow us to lead to be the one to open the gate for us. Because not only then is it much easier to then allow the Lord to just open the gate and walk through, we don't have to try and hop fences, but 
it means that we're actually still living to please the Lord. We're not living selfishly. The sheep, so he calls the sheep by name and he leads them out. So the sheep know their shepherd. The farmers, all the time when I was growing up, the farmers would go out and the sheep would know exactly who their farmer was and they would happily go to the farmer. Whereas if anyone else went out, the sheep aren't having anything to do with them. Likewise, the leader it shows through his care that he, that he loves his sheep. And the sheep see that and they say, hey, I want to follow you. I want to be with you. I'm happy to be around you with you. I'm happy to trust you and to let you lead. They recognize the shepherd's voice and so they go to him. The true shepherd is known by the sheep's response to him. If we see that sheep were like, I'm not going anywhere near that shepherd, then we likely know. Okay, why aren't you going near that shepherd? There's some, something up as to what that shepherd did or didn't do as to why that sheep won't go anywhere near that shepherd. So the true shepherd is known by the sheep's response as well. They trust the shepherd because the shepherd has proven trustworthy. And a leader is trusted when they likewise have proven trustworthy. I think, for instance, of Pastor Dave. I've known him for quite a while, so the longevity of me being able to see his character allows me to have more trust, and also the fact that through his character, he has shown himself to be trustworthy. And so then, when Dave may, when Pastor Dave may ask me to go somewhere, or, uh, hey, uh, can you give me a hand with this, or whatever else like that, I may not necessarily know all the details about what I'm getting myself into, but I will happily go because I trust Pastor Dave, because I trust him and say, hey, he is proven trustworthy. I know that he doesn't just care about the situation and the thing that we're doing. I know that he cares about me, so I'm happy to stand alongside him, even in troubling circumstances, because he's proven himself trustworthy. And that's what leaders should do. They should be able to prove themselves trustworthy, that then any sheep are able to say, hey, I'm happy to go follow wherever you lead because you've proven trustworthy because I know that you love and you care for me. A true shepherd is known by that love that they have for the sheep. A leader should love those that they're responsible for leading and that should be evidence in how they treat them. That should be evidence in knowing who they care for, not simply just knowing details about them, but actually truly knowing them, having that relationship with them. Not simply a, oh yeah, I know so-and-so, they do such and such. It's like, no, no, but do you know them? Well, I've never actually, like, we've never had, like, you know, we don't really talk. We don't really have a communication going. So, okay, maybe you don't really, you just know about them. You don't really know them. You don't have a relationship with them. And that's the difference with leaders. Leaders should know their sheep. They should actually have that relationship with them. That not only are they able to call the sheep by name, but then the sheep are able to say, hey, yeah, here he is, let's go, let's go. And they're able to trust the shepherd. We're better witnesses when we evidence our love, when we actually show, hey, I love you and I want to have this relationship of love with you. It's easier to have that fellowship when we love one another as we're called to, whether we're leaders or not. If we show that love, then it's much easier to have fellowship, fellowship with someone that you know loves you back as well. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, it's not something for us to just take lightly. It's something for us to say, hey, 
I should be loving my neighbour as I love myself. If I say, hey, I really want this, I should also be thinking, hey, you know what? So-and-so would probably really like that too. Let me love them first. Let me give to them first. I'm happy to do without. To do those things first, to actually love one another. Because that's what love is. That it's willing to sacrifice for that other person. John 13 verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He very plainly puts it that if we love one another, then it will show, hey, you're not just speaking about these things. You're not speaking a gospel of love. You're actually showing a gospel of love in how you act as well. That that would then be a better witness for Christ as well. Verse 4 says, After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. The true shepherd gathers his sheep in unity and then leads them out. The shepherd first, however, has to gather them, like we're saying. He gathers them in a unity. Now, what is that unity of? How does he gather them? What does he gather them together in? Any Christian leader should be gathering people together in the unity of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 3, 3 to 6 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. We as Christians should be united in Christ, in the unity of the Spirit. We think of, for instance, our own uh, blood families, and we say, hey, I love my brother, my sister, my mum, my dad, whatever it is, because they're a family first. Regardless of any interests that we may have that are shared, we say, hey, I will stand by you because you are my brother, because you're this relation to me. Regardless of, you know, whether you've done such and such or whatever else, whether we're even getting on well, we say, hey, I will stand by you and I love you because you are my family. And likewise, that happens with church as well, where we say we're united first in the spirit. We're united first in being brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these other things might be additional reasons of, oh, yeah, I want to go hang out with so-and-so. We share this common interest, but it doesn't negate how much I may love someone else in the church who I may not share the same common interests with. We think of church, and there are so many people in church who we may think, you know what, just given the fact that if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't come to church, I probably wouldn't be, you know, friends with so-and-so because we just don't share the same interests, we just aren't in the same social circles or anything else like that. But we're united, first of all, because we are brothers and sisters in Christ then all of these things are then secondary. So any Christian leader should be uniting people in the Spirit, in the Spirit of Christ. Then, when we're united, when all of us are looking to one another saying, hey, I want to be united with you, not because, you know, we're friends or because of anything else that I may put as a merit towards you, but I'm friends with you and I'm united with you because you're my brother or my sister in Christ. That's those things first, as we then draw together as each of our responsibility, not just as the leaders to call people to that, but as the sheep ourselves to say, hey, I want to be united with so-and-so because we're family in Christ. That all of us then are united in that shared responsibility of unity, drawing together. 
that then the leader, once the sheep are united, can lead before, can go out before them, not driving behind them, but can go before one as an example. Paul says to Timothy, even though Timothy's a younger guy and he's been put as a leader in a church, he says to him in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In all these different things, let everyone be able to look to you and say, hey, that's an example. And even if no one looks to you, that you're still that example. That if no one is looking to you but one person, you're still that example to be able to lead that one person in the right way. That then any shepherd is leading correctly. If the shepherd goes astray and does things that aren't right, then the sheep will follow. And the sheep will then be in danger because of the shepherd leading in that wrong way. However, if the shepherd then goes in the right way, if the shepherd leads to green pastures where the sheep are able to grow and flourish, the sheep will be blessed because of that, because the shepherd has gone forwards as that example, that the sheep are then able to follow in those footsteps. The leader goes before as well, not only being an example, being an example, but because the sheep trust, because the sheep love that shepherd and they say, hey, he knows my voice, I love him, I trust him, I'm happy to go where he's leading. So then we're not only leading as examples, but then it means because we're up in front, we are dealing sacrificially with certain things. We're saying, hey, there's this trouble coming, I need to deal with this so that the sheep don't have to deal with this. That's what leaders are there for, to deal with things and to lead in the right way, to help protect and care for the sheep, not cowering behind them when trouble comes, or even driving behind them, driving them with a whip out of fear or anything else like that. The sheep go where the shepherd wants, not because they're scared and they're just going because they feel like they have to, but to say, hey, I trust the shepherd, so I want to go forwards. And it's the same way with us, with Christ. Christ hasn't done these things and given us a whip and said, hey, you must do this, but he's given us a choice to say, hey, I've laid down my own life so that you would follow out of love. That you, you would follow out of a love for me because I have laid down my life first to say, hey, here, here's my life. I have laid it open as you can just seize that. It's free gift. You may have otherwise been headed for destruction. You may have otherwise been headed for hell because of your sin. And that is what justice is because of true justice, because it needs to be done, because there is wrongdoing and it needs to be punished. God instead says, hey, I will take that punishment upon myself. I will lead by example as a leader to say, I will take that punishment for you so that all you need to do is believe and confess to say, hey, hang on a minute, I trust upon the finished work of the cross and I don't need to do anything of that is of any merit to gain that salvation. I simply receive that. So likewise, Jesus is saying here that he is the leader that others are able to trust, that we're able to go before and say, hey, wherever you lead, Lord, I will follow, that he is always going to be that good example. So likewise, we as leaders, in whatever way that we might be leaders, should be good examples for others to be able to follow. Not driving others with a whip because we're driving fear into them to say, hey, you have to go this way, there's no option, but to say, hey, I'm laying this down before you, I'm providing a way for you, you can simply follow me as I lead and as I go forwards.
And as we look at all of this, as we look at just even just these verses that Jesus is talking about, it indicates to us, one, the marks of a true shepherd, how a Christian leader should act or how a leader who is a Christian should act. That we should be leading with the right motive. We should be leading selflessly. We should be trustworthy inside the church and outside the church as well, that others are able to see our good character. And also then loving, once we're inside the sheepfold, loving and leading sacrificially. Going before, dealing with trials, trying to protect and care for and nurture and feed the sheep. That when troubles come, saying, hey, I won't cow behind you, I'm going to try and I'm going to deal with this head on. With, that with the Lord as my strength that I will stand forwards before any of the sheep to say, hey, this is what any leader should be doing. Secondly, then as well, it also points for each and every one of us, regardless of whether we're a leader, to assess our own lives, to see how we love one another. Are we loving one another as ourselves? Are we saying, hey, I love my Christian brother as I would love my blood brother, that I am actually willing to lay my life down to say, hey, I'm, you are my family, to say any of that. But then also, not just loving one another as Christians, as family in Christ, but then loving those outside the church, to be good witnesses to the whole world, that others would see Christ in us, that they would know us by our love. And then how we act as examples to one another, whether we think we're examples or not, saying, hey, I want to be a good example because I want to live for the Lord rather than living for people. So that means I'm going to try and do right in all of these things. And then I can be an example, even if I might not be leading. So we're going to end it there. We're going to continue on a little bit more next week, but I'll just pray. Father, I praise you and I thank you for your words. I thank you that you are the true shepherd, that you love and you care for us and uh, you laid your life down for us. I pray that you'd help us to follow your example, to honor and glorify your name and uh, how we lead and in uh, how we live, uh, regardless of whether we're leading or not. That you'd help us to be uh, good examples, good witnesses for others. And I just ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.